Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Lori Marvis podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and I will be your host for today's interview with Dr. Stephen Loam. Uh, he is the founder of HeartStrong.com. He's a board-certified, academically-trained cardiologist currently at Rush Copley uh, Medical Center in the Chicagoland area. And he has a passion and commitment not only for heart disease prevention, but for his patients, his family, his friends, and just the general public. Um, just on a side note, he authored the LearnTheHeart.com in 2003. Now it's part of Helio.com, which it's quickly became the number one free online cardiology education resource for students teaching thousands of students cardiology every day. And trust me, that is a tricky one to learn. <laughs> um, he still practices general cardiology, but he is um, really focused on using food as a medicine in his practice and developing a lifestyle medicine program in Chicago. And in our interview, he, he shares his story of not only his personal struggle, but his, a little bit of his family struggle. You know, his sister lost over 300 pounds with surgery, but now uses the diet to maintain her weight. His parents reversed their disease, their type 2 diabetes. And he shares how he and his wife, who's also a part-time physician, family physician, um, are raising their now six children. Yes, I said six children, and they're both doctors. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, he lost a significant amount of weight himself. Um, he talks about how Netflix and a suggestion to watch Forks Over Knives really was the first beacon of leading him down the path of a whole food plant-based diet and bringing that, that practice to his patients and really sharing the success they've had and how he's working hard not only to help his patients but just to you know educate the general public and I am ecstatic to share this interview with you guys because not only is it valuable in the sense that know that anyone can do this but really um, insightful and I think educational at the same time so without further ado here is Dr. Stephen Loam. Enjoy. Welcome to the Dr. Lori Marvis podcast. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Stephen Loam. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm just tickled pink to hear your story because you have quite the personal transformation. But tell us a little bit first about yourself, as I always um, love to have physicians on and kind of get an idea of why you wanted to become a doctor to begin with, and then just kind of your own health struggles and, you know, just your story of your journey to plant-based and your uh, eventual recovery and, and sure, amazing it's, life. It's actually a little bit of a, a long story, so I'm Try to keep it a little bit short, but um, I, I grew up standard American family, standard American diet, and just you know consuming what our culture told us we should eat, what tasted good, what was convenient, and sort of my whole family. And so really a typical background in the Chicago suburbs and loving family, caring family, but um, you know both my parents ended up getting close to 300 pounds and my sister 450 pounds in high school. And you know initially, I personally was a little bit more resistant to the weight gain. I was a little bit lucky, but it caught up to me eventually. Uh, I became a physician uh, and now a cardiologist uh, in the Rush uh, system in the Chicagoland suburbs. And uh, I, <clears throat> throughout my training at the stress and everything, and you know, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of stress eating and things involved, I, I ended up uh, gaining up to 265 uh, pounds, so about 100 pounds heavier than what I am now. And so really, 
my, my background comes from the same place that a lot of Americans' backgrounds do. They have busy lives and they just kind of flow with their culture. And, and before they know it, a couple of pounds a year and they, 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 whoa, what happened? Now I'm up to 260, 265 pounds. And so, you know, it kind of all came together. It was interesting that um, I went into medicine really for good reasons. I, I enjoyed science uh, behind medicine and uh, I enjoyed interacting with people. It, it made a lot of sense to have that relationship, the patient doctor relationship. I just, I just love that relationship. So uh, I really enjoyed being a physician and uh, cardiology specifically uh, for a couple of reasons. I knew I wasn't going to be a surgeon sitting in an operating room. That just wasn't, wasn't my thing. And, uh, and, uh, and the cardiology world allowed me to do a little bit of the imaging and it was very intellectually stimulating. And I knew that cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. And so if there's an area that I could make an impact, well, it makes sense to go, go right there because um, it's the number one cause of death. Maybe there's more that we can do to help uh, help more people and, and prevent disease or, or you know, uh, make a difference. So that's the background as to where I came from culturally, personally, and uh, coming to the world of uh, becoming a cardiologist. But the whole story kind of shifted around a bit four years ago. Uh, in 2014, when I was about 100 pounds heavier, I was uh, starting to get a little frustrated in, in my clinical practice just because you know, I was doing a lot of guideline evidence-based medicine, uh, prescribing medications for hypertension, uh, a little bit of diabetes stuff, not too much high cholesterol, and, you know, running a lot of diagnostic tests, sending people for coronary stents, and bypass surgeries. And, and it was a little frustrating because, you know, patients for the most part didn't really like medications. They'd have side effects. They cost money. And even when somebody would take the medications as prescribed, and we would think that it looks like the risk factors are relatively well controlled, they could still have a heart attack, a stroke, need a bypass surgery, or a coronary stent, and it wasn't really quite connecting all the dots together at that time, but now I realize it's because I personally never spoke to my patients about their diet and, and their lifestyle, because personally, I wasn't following a healthy diet and lifestyle myself, and I wasn't trained in nutrition or lifestyle medicine. I had never heard the term lifestyle medicine. I had never heard the term plant-based diet before and all of my training and all of my personal life just never never came across it, which was kind of crazy now that I think about it because it's certainly a growing movement and I think most people are familiar with it nowadays, I would hope. But so four years ago, that's where I was, 100 pounds heavier, uh, a practicing cardiologist in a busy practice, mostly prescribing medications, ordering tests, just going with the flow and and getting tired. And as I personally started suffering from a lot of obesity-related ailments, acid reflux, I know I had sleep apnea, my blood pressure was going up, my back went out on me multiple times. And I would see a lot of patients and I'd hit the afternoon and be like, I'm so tired. When is my clinic going to be done? I don't know if I can make it through another six patients. I knew personally uh, I needed to make change for myself, for my own health, uh, as I was seeing my patients suffering from all these chronic diseases. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. I'm already developing all these issues, just not feeling well. I'm a cardiologist here. Shouldn't I really be trying to follow a healthy diet and lifestyle? Cause you know, everybody knows in the back of their mind, they should be eating healthy and, and taking control of your own health. At the same time, you're taught based on your culture, not to worry about it. Just go out and eat whatever you want. Our culture isn't all that big into exercise and physical activity. And so, 
and I wasn't trained as a medical student and as a resident in cardiology training, I wasn't trained to uh, talk to patients about diet and lifestyle. So it really wasn't my mindset, even though everybody knows just, you know, in the back of their mind, they should be eating healthy and staying active and, and focusing on being thin. It's just so much a part of our culture to, to not be that way. Yeah. So when I was suffering from all those things, I, I had the realization I need to make a change myself. So I made all the mistakes that the typical American would make when they're trying to lose weight. First of all, thinking exercise is the key. So I say, oh, you know, I see all these runners out there and when they're running, they're all thin, right? So maybe if I start running, <clears throat> I'll be thin too and I can lose a lot of weight. Uh, you know, when you do the math though, it takes about 3,500 calories for one pound and that's almost 30 some miles of, of running to lose one pound. That takes a lot of running. Mm-hmm. And that's why they always say you can never out exercise an unhealthy diet. Eighty <laughs> percent of losing weight is uh, what you eat. Twenty percent is exercise. But I went straight out saying I'm going to sign up for a triathlon and a marathon, and I'm going to exercise like crazy. And so I did that, and I made some minor, you know, diet changes, trying to avoid junk food, processed food, not eat as much dessert as, as usual. And I ran two marathons, initially obese. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, wow. I walked a lot of it. I uh, had a lot of injuries, um, oh, struggled wow. throughout the way, but uh, I got through it. And um, as I was doing that over about a two-year time period, I lost about 40 pounds in okay. trying to read about nutrition <clears throat> while I was at that. And of course, where was the first place I went when I was reading about nutrition was the Dietary Guidelines for America. So I read the Dietary Guidelines for America, that huge document, three times over. It's a big document. Thinking this has got to be the truth. This has got to be what we should, we should know, right? The government's not going to lie to us. <laughs> so, uh, so let me read these dietary guidelines. So I read them and I, you know, it's nice because as I'm learning about this, I do start engaging my patients more in discussions about diet and lifestyle because finally I'm doing it myself. Uh, but I was kind of still a little bit misguided because I was telling them what I was reading. Chicken mm-hmm. and fish, chicken, no skin on it, nothing fried, olive oil spine, three servings of low-fat dairy a day is what what I was reading and what I was telling them, you know, and then the, you know, half of your carbohydrates can be refined carbohydrates is what they say. And the unhealthy foods in, in moderation, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I did all that. And I was, I thought doing a good job following those dietary guidelines, pizza only once a month, dessert only once every week or two, and, you know, really getting rid of the sugary drinks as much as possible, but they were still there and in moderation. Two years, two marathons. I was like, "Wow, forty pounds is great," but man, that was hard. Mm-hmm. I know I know what patients are going through. It's not easy to lose weight. And I thought I was doing good diet-wise and exercising like a madman. <laughs> and then I thought, "Okay, fine. Well, if this is just the way that it is, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I have to wait till my third, fourth, fifth marathon because my goal was to get to my ideal body weight—six uh, foot tall. I should be 170 pounds, and." Um, I said, that's what I got to be at. And I still have 60 pounds to go. But then, you know, it, it was random. But Netflix said, hey, check out this thing called Works Over Knives. And, and uh, man, I'll just never forget. I'll never forget uh, my thoughts, what was going through my mind as I'm watching this documentary, because I never heard of the concept of a plant-based diet. And I thought that there wasn't all that much that we could do for cardiovascular disease prevention besides the pharmacotherapy directed at hypertension and, and, and high cholesterol and take your, take your aspirin and all those things. 
And then you see Dr. Esselstyn stand up there and say, heart disease need not exist. It's a toothless paper tiger. And if it does exist, it need never progress. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? This is bogus. There's no way this is real. It's propaganda. Where is this guy coming from? You know, because I wasn't taught this in medical training. And if it was true that you could halt and reverse a vast majority of cardiovascular disease with plant-based diets, then shouldn't that have been one of the main focuses of my medical training? I mean, you would think. And so this was my mindset thinking, okay, I'm following dietary guidelines of America. I'm exercising. I'm struggling losing weight. And then this guy comes out and tells me that everything that I've been doing is completely wrong. And everything that I was taught in medical training had nothing to do with treating the cause of the illness. And we could annihilate heart disease if we could just change dietary patterns in America. I was like, this is not real. There's no way. And so then like a good physician trained to practice evidence-based medicine, guideline-driven, you know, look through the peer-reviewed journals and all the publications. Mm -hmm. I said, let me dig into this. I want to see if what this guy's talking about is real. Mm -hmm. And the more I read about it, I'm like, this is real stuff. Look at Dean Ornish's publications. I never heard of the name Dean Ornish uh, and uh, reviewed it. And his, his data is amazing. And Dr. Esselstyn's, while it's not a randomized controlled, you know, interventional trial, it's still, you know, nutrition trials are challenging and difficult to do. And, and his data was, was strong enough to give him to me. And then what really kind of sealed it all together was, was Ken Williams, uh, which uh, what a humble guy, what a great guy he is. He, uh, he knows his stuff so well. And of course, he was the past president of the American College of Cardiology and the chief of cardiology at Rush were the system that I'm currently a cardiologist in. And he makes those statements like there's two types of cardiologists, plant-based cardiologists and those who have not read the research. And the one that really got me the most though was he says that a whole food plant-based diet is a cure for heart disease. And if you're a cardiologist and you don't tell your patient about the cure for their disease, that should be considered medical malpractice because you can't withhold a cure from your patient. And so when I hear those things coming from these very well-known people, that just kind of sealed the deal. This is real stuff. And I kind of completely knew what was missing, not only from my personal approach to losing weight, but my professional approach as to how I took care of patients. And it's, it's frustrating. I was, mm. I was almost angry when I watched that documentary. I was like, how can this be real? How could I not have known this stuff? I mean, it, it, I would ask all the professors, you know, I, you know, I understand the pathophysiology of heart disease and you get the endothelial cell injury and inflammation, LDL gets oxidized, and bone cells and smooth muscle cell migration, all these things that we read about how plaques form. But I'd ask, why does this happen? What's really going on? What's the connecting factor between it all? And they'd say, ah, it's a part of aging. It's, it's genetic. If you smoke cigarettes, you damage the lining of the endothelium. And if, you know, diabetics, it's all these different things. Uh, uh, I was like, but still, there's something that's missing. And this was it. Because if Dean Ornish can show that in five years, 99% of patients angiographically halted or reversed their disease, then that's it. The cause of heart disease is diet and lifestyle related. That's it. So couldn't the treatment be improving diet and lifestyle, not, not drugs and stents and bypasses? And so that was my whole revelation, putting together my personal life and my struggles losing weight with my professional somewhat dissatisfaction the way was, I was practicing medicine. So I transitioned to a plant-based diet within about 48 hours or so and ran my third marathon. 
And within six months, 60 pounds came off and I was at my ideal body weight. And I was like, wow, I wish somebody would have told me all this before. It would have saved me a lot of, a lot of trouble, you know, but wow, that's kind of where my background comes from. Yes. So that revelation with the patients and you're just like, what have I been doing? <laughs> I feel, because they look to their doctors for advice or everything. And I'd have people come after heart attacks or bypasses and say, doc, what should I be eating? And I'd say, uh, I don't know, just, you know, only eat fast food once a week, uh, not, you know, and just try to avoid junk food a little bit here. And now I give them vague things and kind of change the topic because I really just didn't know much nutrition because it just wasn't anything that I was, I was trained in. And I think a lot of physicians are in that same boat. So. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I did this in early 2012 and it was a patient who we kind of accidentally moved to a plant-based diet because she said meat and dairy upset her stomach. Those were her exact words. And I said, well, stop eating meat and dairy. <laughs> and, but, but when she came back, what was incredible was her daughter went on the diet with her and pulled herself off two ADD meds. Wow. And she's like, Dr. Marvis, why was she able to do that? I was like, I don't know, but that's really cool. <laughs> what did you, what were you eating? And it was plants. I said, so you were eating plants. She goes, well, yeah, you told me not to eat meat or dairy. That's what's left. I'm like, oh, like I'm so thick skulled. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And um, what was incredible was this revelation. But then I was like, well, you know, then I read the, I read um, T. Colin Campbell's The China Study, like in literally two days. You like, you can turn cancer off and on. What? <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was, and then you do, you feel this guilt, right? You're like, holy moly, look at all those people I could have been helping. Yeah, But instead, and you know, I've always been active. I didn't have a weight issue, but I had horrible allergies. My thyroid, I've been hypothyroid for 22 years since the birth of my second child. And Jonathan was born with um, hypothyroidism. Like he had a positive um, metabolic panel and you just having a new baby, you know, they do the panels and then six, you know, yeah. two weeks later they repeat. And his second one was negative. He ended up having pretty significant, you know, learning disorder, you know, with um, dyslexia. But my, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism right after, like maybe he was two months old. And, um, but my dosage continued to escalate until I went plant-based and then it started decreasing. And that's 15 years in wow. to being, now I'm still on a, a lower, much lower dose, but I've quit burning out my thyroid. Yeah. And so that, you know, it's, it was such an amazing response. But then I was like, for me, it was hard. It was like, how do I approach this? with my patients, yeah. you know, like how do I do, cause there was no plantrician project. There was, there was no place for me to go and learn. And um, so that's what we're hoping also with the journal who Dr. Kim Williams is our editor in chief. Yes. Yes. And um, we're going to be creating, you know, CME and helping patients, you know, physicians transition this to their patients. Cause yeah. that is the social contagion you need, right? This is my theory. That is absolutely you know, key. Yeah, so you have the, the patients and the physician relationship, and that spreads like wildfire, right? And Right. Yes, that's so incredible. More and more people have a similar realization like I did, I sure hope, because like you said, I, I kind of look back and think, what was I doing this whole time with my patients? It was just completely off. And, and the other perspective that really, really changed in my whole crazy journey is, is now when I see a patient who is 200, 250, 300 pounds, diabetic, who had two bypass surgeries, are only 50 years old, they have an amputation of their leg and, and they're debilitated. I really just think to myself, 
whoa, you know, that didn't have to happen. That was all preventable. And our, our mm. culture has failed this person, our food system has failed this person, and our healthcare system really has failed this person because it was all preventable. And it just, when you see it from the other side, uh, once you've been able to make the change and maintain a, a whole food plant-based lifestyle yourself, and then you see these people suffering from these chronic diseases and you say, wow, we really need to wake up because it's, it's just, it's just the wrong paradigm that we have in medicine for these mm. chronic diseases. We really need to get off of this acute care model and get more of an integrative approach to help treat the cause of the illness. And so, yeah, seeing it the other way is really, it's almost hard for me now because it feels so sad and, and mm. helpless that, you know, once people already got to that point, it's, it's so much more of a challenge to, to get them through that and reverse those diseases. But right got to keep working at it. Absolutely. So tell us what you're doing now, because you have a lot of cool initiatives and in what you're doing, well, websites I, and stuff. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of different things. So basically when I had this revelation, I was working, um, I was working about to uh, 70, 80 miles outside of Chicago. And so I said, well, there's not, not as much I could do in the whole plant-based nutrition realm out here. So uh, I knew of Kim Williams and met him and spoke with him. What a great guy. He totally convinced me to join the Rush system. So I moved closer to Chicago mm. with the whole mindset uh, of now that I'm closer to Chicagoland, I'm going to be able to integrate more plant-based nutrition into my clinical practice mm. and um, and hopefully make a bigger difference. So I joined uh, the Rush system with the hospital, Rush Copley in Aurora, the second biggest city uh, in the state of Illinois. And um, I've only been there for about nine months or so. So some of the initiatives are still going, trying to get Foreigners Lifestyle Medicine going there. We're doing some lecture series and community events. And really, um, I got another one of the cardiologists at the group to go plant-based already. Awesome. Uh, and another one is, is super close. So uh, within the Rush system, I think we're going to be up to nine plant-based cardiologists soon. Isn't that great? That's awesome. So I started that, but uh, pretty quickly found out that it's, it's a challenge to really um, integrate plant-based nutrition to a big healthcare system. And I'm still mm -hmm. learning more how to do so. Uh, and I'm sure that there's other approaches that I need to learn and take in order to get it done. But the whole financials behind some of these things, it's unfortunately the way our system works, there's not a lot of money in prevention of disease, the way our business model is set up for healthcare. So trying to uh, say, hey, listen, let's let's get people all the change of plant-based diets to reverse their diabetes, and they'll have less heart attacks and need less bypass surgeries and less sense. The hospitals go, well, I know that makes sense, and but that's just not a good business model. And so as we tried to um, model some things out, it, it didn't quite work as some of the programs, but I'm still confident we're gonna get some good things going there. But in the meanwhile, I said, what else can I possibly do to make a difference in this whole plant-based nutrition realm? And I know personally, I'm not a big researcher. I'm not going to publish some breakthrough articles. And I don't really think we need to, honestly. I think the evidence is there already uh, with Ornish and, and all the other uh, data that we have. Uh, I think we have plenty of evidence to say that a whole food plant-based diet is, is the ideal way to eat, especially once you have cardiovascular disease or other, other chronic illnesses. So, you know, should I delve into the whole research? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I'm a website guy. As a medical student, I, I made a website called learntheheart.com, which was up to 25,000 unique visitors daily. Oh, wow. Point. Yeah. And so it was, it was great. It was a free website. So I really got into that. And I, uh, basically, I said, let me just try to do the same thing with, uh, with this whole um, intensive cardiac rehab, which includes plant-based nutrition, because that's what they call Ornish lifestyle medicine. They call it intensive cardiac rehab, not just regular cardiac rehab that people go to to exercise. It's, it's intensive because it includes 
the whole food plant-based nutrition is a main component of it, but yoga, stress reduction, community support, and the regular exercise too. And I said, well, why don't we give a free do-it-yourself online program to really go through things uh, for patients so they can just go somewhere and step-by-step -step go through videos on how important lifestyle medicine is uh, and how important the diet and, the, and uh, nutrition and all this stuff relates to it. So that's heartstrong.com. It's been up for about a year now and it's still definitely a work in progress. I have a lot of more things I'd like to do with it, but it basically... First section is, is what is cardiovascular disease? Because I tell people, knowledge is power. If you don't understand your disease, how are you going to overcome it? You need to, you know, Dr. Esselstyn totally emphasizes so much the endothelial cell injury. You got to understand that and understand that if you get your eyeballs down into your arteries and you see all that inflammation going on in that plaque, you imagine it being on fire. And if you eat something unhealthy, you're pouring gas on that fire. You're fueling the flame when you're eating your eggs, bacon, and sausage, or, or your refined carbohydrates, or all those oils. You're pouring gas on that fire. Why would you ever do that? Mm -hmm. But if you eat oatmeal or, or drink water as your beverage or eat some good unprocessed plant-based, hopefully plant-based meals, you're pouring water on that fire and mm -hmm. you're putting out the flame. You never want to pour a drop of gas on that fire, none. So that whole, that's the whole first section is just educating people on, on um on the whole process of cardiovascular disease and hypertension and diabetes and emphasizing how uh, plant-based diets are important there. But then section number two really delves into the nutrition part, you know, because they're always going to ask, where do you get your protein? And what about these vitamins and all these things? They have your eyes and, uh. But, you know, these are real questions people have. So all those things need to be um, need to be answered. And I go through the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet and say, you know what? They're better than the standard American diet. No question about it but they're not ideal and it's not the right thing to do. You should really be on a whole food plant-based diet and can progress mm -hmm. them to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. The third section goes through the whole exercise component. There's a weight loss component and then a wellness component to, uh, to heartstrong.com. And then the last part kind of puts it together in a phase one, phase two, phase three, because some people really like that structure mm -hmm. uh, to try to slowly progress people through it. So again, it's still a work in progress because I have a lot of other things going on. I'm only one person. Uh, I'm hoping that eventually uh, it'll it'll be really, really clean and perfect and, uh, and finished and set up, but um, slowly getting there. Uh, what do you mean? You're just a busy cardiologist, six kids and a wife that's a doctor. And what yeah. are you talking about? Uh, yeah, plenty of spare time. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. But the other thing that I'm doing, which I'm so excited about, this is just a little bit less than a month old. So what happened was, is um, through Rush Copley, we had these community events where I would go and I would give a, a lecture for an hour on the power of plant-based nutrition to reverse cardiovascular disease and mention a little bit of you know, diabetes and hypertension and such. And then we would feed the whole community. Uh, we had, I think, 60 or 70 people show up last time. We feed them a whole food plant-based dinner. Awesome. It was a great lentil stew, salads. It was really wonderful. Everybody loved the food so much. So we feed them a whole food plant-based dinner. I give them this talk. And then have patient advocates come up and tell their stories how, how much they love plant-based diets and how it's helped them reverse their disease and everything. And then have some plant-based advocates kind of uh, hidden in the audience so that when it's done, they mingle and they talk to people. Oh, yeah, I've been on a plant-based diet. It was, it was a really great event. Well, what happened this last time was uh, I, I put, uh, I advertised out there to all of the plant-based community through Plant Nations pods and stuff like that. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this little event if anybody's interested in showing up. And there was a huge amount of plant-based nutrition advocates that came to this event. And they were all super interested in being active, being activists to really promote 
plant-based nutrition, help other people transition over and do the right things. And so they kept me there until almost it was 10 o'clock at nighttime talking and talking. We were, I was like, I was, I was so surprised at, at how many people were so passionate about what I was speaking about and wanting to make a change. They said, listen, Dr. Lone, we really need to get together and create an organization that can really push this forward and help the community. And I think it was the absolute right thing to do. The more and more I think about it, the biggest struggle that we have in our whole uh, healthcare system or as a physician is, is overcoming the cultural barriers to getting out a plant-based diet and giving people the resources. Because we really have lost the skill as a culture on how to cook good, clean, unhealthy, uh, unprocessed plant-based foods. Whole food plant-based meals is not a part of our culture anymore. Nobody knows that skill. We need to bring that skill back and give a community that can support people who want to go through uh, the transition over to a whole food plant-based diet. Because I tell you, you, you may have had this before too, before you were working straight into this, but I could talk to a patient for 60 minutes, how great a plant-based diet is, how it can reverse their heart disease, or diabetes, or hypertension, how wonderful the food is. There's 100,000 different edible plant-based species out there and you can season them and you feel full and it's great and it's cheaper to eat this way and it's better for the environment, it's better for the animals, it's better for everything, whatever. I don't really get into the, the I get into the stay with the health part, but you can talk their ear, ear off like crazy about how great a whole food plant-based diet is. Mm-hmm. And they might buy in a little bit, but then they leave that room and they don't have any support. Their family might not support them. The community doesn't support them. There's no restaurants out there with plant-based menu options, at least not whole food plant-based menu options for the most part that are free of oil. And it's a struggle. And I could, you know, maybe I'll get them to watch a documentary if I'm lucky. I can even, I've even handed patients books when I really think you're interested. I keep a stack of books uh, in the back and, uh, and kind of tailor which book I give to which person, depending on what I think that they would, uh, it would benefit them the most. And I find that a lot of times people, I give them the book, they want to read it. They, uh, they don't, they might not watch the whole documentary uh, that I recommend to them. And a lot of it is, is just their mindset and their culture. And so what I really needed to develop, what I felt like we really needed uh, is uh, a really big community support system for people. So what we did is uh, founded a nonprofit organization called the Chicago Land Plant-Based Nutrition Movement, 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, we have more than 100 uh, members, actually a couple hundred members already, and it's less than a month old. And dozens of them are actively like, where's our volunteer opportunities? Let's get going. We want to volunteer. They're so excited. And they want to get going already. Like, well, we need to get things organized and figure out our, our approach here first. <laughs> we have a lot of great initiatives because the way, the way I see it is, is we need to have all the tools out there and make it easy for people to transition to plant-based diet. So once we get that set up with, uh, we want a mentorship program where somebody says, okay, I'm interested. I want to do a plant-based diet. Help me out. We hook them up with a mentor who can have lunch with them, go shopping with them, call them on the phone, give them recipes, cook together, do whatever. Uh, so we have that. We want to have cooking classes that are free or very reduced costs and how to, you know, whole food plant-based 101. You know, there's so many different things you can do, how to cook whole food plant-based in an instant pot, how to cook Indian cuisine, or Mexican cuisine, or whatever cuisine, whole food plant-based. Um, and we want to uh, have little community events so that once they, they go to the physician's office, the doctor says, go on a plant-based diet. They say, how do I do that? The doctor says, hey, here's a, here's a mentor you can hook up with. And then right there, there's a cooking class. And then once you get into it, you get your recipes, just show up to this community event, this potluck, which is whole food plant-based, taste all these different foods, meet these people, have the community support. And then that's what's going to really allow them to, to be successful uh, transitioning. And so what I found in Chicago is there were many different little 
pods or groups that were getting together about whole food plant-based nutrition. They had 20 members or 50 members, and even one of them uh, from the northern suburbs had 500 members in a whole food plant-based no oil cooking club. But all of these little areas were disconnected. They never communicated with each other. They didn't work together, uh, and they didn't really outwardly seek to, you know, to grow in regards to patients who need help or get into physicians' offices or such. So I said, let's connect all these dots in all of Chicago. Let's all work together. There's so many great, passionate people here. Let's put it all together and create this whole network of people who can mentor people, do cooking classes, help each other out. And eventually, once we get this, uh, this whole uh, act together here, and get into physician offices, because I think that's where we need to get people. We need to get the physicians to, to buy into this. And uh, we want to actually uh, bring in uh, whole food plant-based lunches to physician offices, because they're so used to pharmaceutical reps coming in and buying a pizza or buying unhealthy stuff and saying, hey, prescribe this drug for hypertension or prescribe this drug for you know this, this blood thinner or whatever it is. Well, wouldn't the staff hopefully really enjoy a wonderful gourmet whole food plant-based lunch instead uh, of something else? I hope they would for a change. And then uh, if a physician comes in and says, hey, listen, I'm not selling you anything here. I'm not trying to push a drug or a device on you. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you that we have these resources available for your patients. And this is the evidence, the power behind a whole food plant-based diet. Look at this, here are the publications, here are the resources for physicians, and this is wonderful. So this is the way to go. So when you have patients, please, consider sending them to our mentorship program or our cooking classes or whatever, and we'll, we'll take over. Because as you know, most physicians' mindsets is nutrition's not my thing. If somebody wants to learn about nutrition, I'll send them to a nutritionist or a dietitian, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. most of them aren't plant-based. Uh, they're based on you know USDA dietary guidelines or American Diabetic Association or, or, or whatever, which is not, not plant-based. And they don't have the support group set up. You go see a dietitian, you might counsel for an hour or two, that's it, you're done with that. Uh, and now you're over and you're out on your own. Need that support, we really need that support. So we wanna have the classes together, the support system set up, the mentorship program, and then infiltrate into the physician offices in order to uh, really show them the evidence and tell them, listen, this is what the power this could be, this could really help your patients. And I'm hoping that they'll listen if we give them free food. And if mm -hmm. a physician, say a cardiologist says, hey, I'm willing to come in and talk with you during your lunch break uh, about this, and we're not selling anything. So hopefully it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be effective. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do other things. We're going to screen documentaries uh, and get guest speakers. We're trying to develop a nutrition uh, whole conference for the community, not for the healthcare world, but more for the community to get in and mm -hmm. have a a healthcare conference. We have a wonderful uh, veggie fest in the Chicago area, which attracted something like 40 some thousand visitors. But, but you know what, the veggie fest, how much I love it. And I've gotten to know the organizers. It was not very healthy food. Oh man, it was a lot of processed food. It was a lot of oil, a lot of sugar, very salty food. And I said, whoa, we really need our own little uh, event like this, an annual event that is whole food plant-based and no added oil. We gotta do this. And so we actually have one of our, uh, we have a very strong board of directors ready set up and one of them worked for the National Restaurant Association organizing their uh, their conferences and stuff. And, and she is all in on the plant-based nutrition thing. I can help you organize this conference, and this event. And so it's all very preliminary, it really is. But I just, it's just amazing the support in the community that's come through with financial donations. Uh, our website is cpbnm.org. It stands for Chicagoland Plant-Based Nutrition Movement.org, cpbnm.org. And uh, 
it's just it's just been amazing the support. So um, we got uh, we applied for uh, a Plant Your Nation Oasis Jumpstart. Uh, hopefully, uh, hoping we'll get approved. I spoke with them; it seems very positive. But um, we had a passionate plant-based nutritionist attend our first kickoff meeting for the organization. She said, "Hey, we can do this in uh, in our East Aurora High School." because high school students, you know, kids now are, are there's a lot of overweight and obesity in, uh, in kids. And why don't we go to this, uh, this population that really needs, uh, needs help in nutrition and get some, get the younger people involved. So we're hoping to do a plant your oasis jumpstart within one of the high schools uh, in the Aurora area. And that in the Aurora area, and that would be, that'd be phenomenal. So um, it's just starting out, but it's just been overwhelming how many people have been in contact with who are in support and they want to they want to help out and uh, I've talked a lot to Paul Chatwin up in um, uh, Detroit area who has done somewhat of a, of a similar model and he's been so successful he has a, uh, a really great uh, personal story himself and uh, I think he's up to I think he told me 5,400 members yeah over uh, 5,000 mm-hmm. yeah and I think that their organization has been going on for about Five years. Five now. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and he's done, so he's been so successful. We're thinking, wow, Chicago is, I don't know exactly, double, triple the size of Detroit. We should hopefully be able to get 10, 15,000 members. We're really, we're really shooting mm-hmm. for really going big. So. That is fabulous. And I'd love to talk to you when we're done here about some ideas for you, because I've done yeah. a lot of different things and different aspect. I might be able to help a little bit. Um, there is some great ideas that you have. Um, you know, when you, when you talk about physicians, for example, so my daughter's a medical student and her fiance and they're plant-based. So there's a culinary, um, I didn't have this as a medical student, but they have a culinary, um, uh, where they can, yeah, but it's like a culinary thing, but it's not, not everyone has to, to actually take it. It's something you can actually do on your own. They get, it shows on their transcript, but it's not, and it doesn't actually count towards graduation, but she's like, yeah, we volunteered to, you know, we're going to show them that you can actually have yummy plant-based foods. I said, why don't you throw a little science in there too and say, Hey, when you do this is that, and you know, just some really some fun stuff to get them while you're young, right. To get these young minds and you're exactly right. The how to part, that is the key, right. In the community, because it got to the point that first year I was transitioning my practice um, I was like, I kept getting the same questions. Well, how well beyond the protein problem question, yeah. um, which many RDs, by the way, they think when you go to a plant-based diet, they're like, well, you're going to be short on protein. I'm like, you're a registered dietitian. You should know. Yeah, seriously. Where does, where does amino acids come from? Plants. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, but what happens is I built a 30 page handout that I used to give every single patient that I thought I would scan my daily 22 or 24 list of patients I was like, yep, that one's coming in for UTI, but happens to have diabetes. This one has, <laughs> and I would pull it out and hand it to them. I, I'm sure I killed some trees, but, and that was key. And then I went to um, Dr. Bernard's organization and I got a food for life training. So I learned yes. how to cook. We started a lifestyle medicine clinic and I was cooking and doing this. And you know, what's really interesting is people are really open to some physicians. And I think part of it, physicians think that patients aren't going to be interested but you know what? That's not your place to make that decision, Absolutely. right? And so that is the key there was if you present it, they will come there. Yeah. You know, when we started the Lifestyle Medicine Clinic and I was in Western Colorado, it is like West Texas. Okay. There is ranches and meat and hunters and 
I mean, I worked in a, in a, in a place called Rifle. That was the name, like Rifle, Colorado. And so when we did this, we just put out a little email to, it was a, um, a community um, health center or a community hospital that had, had two of the largest um, employer groups in the city where I was in Grand, I had switched over to Grand Junction, Colorado, still Western Colorado. And um, they had made some with the school district in the county saying, hey, we have, we are offering this lifestyle medicine clinic to decrease your costs because they were privately funded insured groups. And so they were working with the local hospital, sort of like an APO, but not quite. And um, so what we did is we sent out a little email expecting maybe 30 people to show up as we introduced it. Had 106 people show up for the first meeting. I had to do it twice because there were so many people. And then we had to actually have them apply because I only had 30, I only had space for 30 people. And we'd run these, you know, it would be about a 15 week program. We got the physical therapy department involved and just some really cool stuff. We did our own study at the other hospital I was. It was really some really cool stuff, but people were getting better. And if, you know, if I would have had the mindset, oh, nobody's interested, I'll just keep this to myself. Mm-hmm. Imagine all the people in like you, now your, your, your community is going to change, right? You can change a whole city. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, we're, we're certainly trying to, and, and I, it's our job as physicians to tell people what the data shows and what the best recommendation is, not to tell them what they want to hear or what their culture told them to. You need to know what's right. And I, I, I sometimes preface it with, hey, nobody's perfect, really, but you got to know what's perfect. And you do your best mm-hmm. to guide you to get to as close to a whole food plant-based diet as you possibly can. And even, you know, the exercise component and all these other things, it, it's our job to tell people what's the right thing. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of physicians just, they don't because they, they don't think people are going to listen or do it. And, and it is true that we can talk people's ear off like crazy and they might not make a single change. But uh, we have to do it. We absolutely have to. It's our it's our obligation uh, as physicians to tell patients the right thing, and not as many patients, not that many patients might read the book that I give them or watch the documentary or read the thirty page handout or whatever that's given to them. But even if they're not interested in learning about the nutrition and reading about it, learning on their own, if you just say, "Hey, listen, all I want you to do, don't worry about reading things. Just show up to this class, show up to this event." taste this food without them reading anything, reading any book or watching any documentary, they could show up and they could learn how great the food is and you don't need to worry about it. Cause honestly, some people just don't have that interest in like reading books. Maybe they don't have Netflix to watch a lot of these documentaries, whatever it is, uh, just go and attend these events. And so mm-hmm. we need to have, we need to have that structure set up so that we mm-hmm. can overcome uh, the difficulty. And then they, they know other people right in the community that are doing it as well. Yes. So when their families aren't on board at first, that's what happens. And when you cook for them, they're like, oh, that's really easy. So I would, I would cook for them. But you know what I did? I used the first part of Forks Over Knives. Darn Corey's a good friend of mine, um, the producer of Forks mm-hmm. Over Knives. And there, that first running part, you know, that first introductory part? Yes. Right, that I show. At, yeah. it's, at, it's, and that, it's really powerful. And I remember um, seeing Richard Carmona. And he was saying how children, the next generation's children are supposed to live 10 years less than their parents. Yeah, and it, I, it's so true. I mean, you could just tell. It's sad, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. And so, wow, the more I think about these things, the more it just, wow, it just really gets me being on the other side of it now. And, and that's one of the reasons why taking this approach with the Chicago Land Plant-Based Nutrition Movement, trying to change culture, give these resources, is we know that 
the change is not going to happen from the top down. Mm -hmm. so they're not going to change a government policy. The food industry is not going to come out and make changes because, uh, you know, it's a business. They want to make money. It's not their fault. It's not the food industry's fault. It's just the way the system is set up. So the only way to make the change is for the people to demand the change. And the only way that people will demand the change is if we could change their culture and make it easy for people. And that's what we have to do because, you know, not to get into all this other crazy paleo and keto and all that stuff, but our culture is more aligned with those dietary patterns because it's easy to go out and eat cheese and butter and all this stuff like that. Granted, obviously there's, we know the data is, is not strong and then there's a long-term benefit and actually it's very harmful long-term to eat those, those dietary patterns, whole food plant-based is clearly the way to go, but it's easier for people to eat those foods because that's mm -hmm. what the culture has already told them to eat. And we've lost mm -hmm. touch as a culture, how to make good whole food plant-based meals, taste great, satisfying. And, and we need to change that culture through the people first. And then you demand change by buying the healthy foods. And finally, the food system will change and hopefully these policies will change. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really daunting task change culture it's, mm -hmm. it's it's hard but that is the way it's got to happen and that's why you know plant for nation's got the whole great movement that they're trying to push uh forward mm -hmm. together with the pods mm -hmm. uh, and trying to get everybody rallied and everybody together we need to all get together as a community and put all of our efforts into this because mm -hmm. that's the only way anything is ever going to change Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, the initiatives that we have at the journal is we want to be the umbrella, right? We want to be the connector. And so what we also want to do is outside of just having the journal, but we want to translate that research into a disease reversal digest. Yes. And so we'll not only have the research presented there, but we're also going to have case studies and recipes and, you know, interviews with people like you and, you know, participants in places. And this is what's in your area. And yeah. we're going to make that so attractive, right? That, you know what, people are like, I don't have to be sick. It's kind of like, you know, there was, um, I'm, I'm big into mindset and reading about positive psychology, because I think that's a very important part is the mental aspect of long-term habit change. And because I always am curious, well, why was one person able to make this and stick with it and someone wasn't like quitting smoking? You know, it's, what is it that's that difference? And one thing that I've definitely found to be very, very effective with a patient is I create a vision of hope for them. Like they they can't see a different future than the one they've been living. I was like, you know what? There is a different one. I'm going to paint it for you right now with these vibrant words that are make this color just so attractive that you won't want to walk away because you're like, it can be like that. Absolutely. But there was a, a Dr. Carol Dweck, and um, I can't remember if it was a, a YouTube video. I saw an interview because I'm just so fascinated by the whole like if I can induce a, a growth mindset, you know, get someone out of this fixed mindset that this is the way it is. I can't learn anything different. It's just, you know, but move them into a growth mindset. There's change. I can listen. I can learn. That is key. Like how quickly can I do that? What words do I need to say? And she said that they were working with a bunch with kids and she was working with kids that were in lower income or they were, you know, lower uh, educational courses or classes because they were labeled challenge or special ed or whatever. And she was teaching them the growth mindset. And one of them started crying and he goes, you mean I don't have to be stupid? Huh. And what was interesting was she took that and she, and this child just excelled. 
Like he became one of the most, the most vibrant students they had and did amazing well. So that's, that's how I see patient, right? So we've been giving them, they've been taught this fixed mindset, right? By medicine. Oh, right. you're sick. You have diabetes. You have to be on medications. You have to do this. But you know what? What's the flip side of this? Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> now, will you reverse your disease 100%? Maybe not. But you certainly can be in the most optimal health with a plant-based diet yes. and move us away from this. But 80% of it could probably be eliminated or certainly decreased. And so you could feel better. You could you know, have more money, less medications. You don't have to go see a doctor. And that is so powerful for someone. It's that speaking, what words are we using as physicians, right? So I think that's the other key is how do we speak to patients? It's not just spewing facts. It's, right. we got to, I used to, let me tell you what I've done. I did, I was like, cause I get a lot of women that I'm a family medicine doc. Your wife's a female, female family medicine doc. Most of her patients, if you're in a regular practice are a lot of women. They're the women, they're cooking moms, moms do a lot. And yeah. so when I can get a mom in there and they're worried about their kids, right? But my, my boys doesn't, my, my son doesn't want to eat his vegetables. I have to give him French fries. Like, first of all, you make that decision. Yes. And the second of all, I went into the research. I'm like, well, what are marketers doing? Because if we can market food to me, that's going to kill me and I want to go eat it. Yeah. It tastes, you know, the fat and the salt, whatever, but there's gotta be something we can use. And you go back and look at research where they were, there are studies where people were trying to get kids to eat healthier. For example, in a school salad bar, they put up one little cartoon of like a cartoon character carrot that, yeah. and it went up like, I don't know, like 50% the yeah. peas or something. So I was like, hmm. So I create, exactly. So what I did is I went through and I went through all the research I could find and all the blogs and all the mom blogs and all the, everything I could find. I found 57 tips and it's free on my website That's of great. how to get your kids to eat more vegetables. And yeah. That stuff works. And, you know, I always remind them, it's like, you have to be persistent. It's 15 times to the tap palate, and then it will be incorporated. Yeah. That is how you do that. But you have to get away from this other stuff. So they'll eat. But that, you're exactly right. We have to present this material and give them hope and give them a community yeah. and a structure and a network. It definitely has to be put in a positive mindset. You focus on the positives. If you focus on the negatives, people get all down on themselves and it doesn't work. I knew one cardiologist that would walk into the room and say, you have hypertension, diabetes, you're obese. Of course you're having chest pain. And like, how effective is that? That's not really the way you should be. And so it really, there's a whole course that people can take actually on motivational interviewing. And I really mm -hmm. want to do that these days to mm hold -hmm. my skills in it because every patient is different as to what their triggers are for their food addictions or their stress in their life or their culture you really got to individualize it from person to person but no matter how where that person comes from you definitely have to focus on the positives completely mm -hmm. agree there but tell them listen you have the most control over your health it's not mm -hmm. just not it's not bait it's not up to your doctor to give you the right medicines it's in mm -hmm. with control and, and this is the positive future that you can have I, I completely agree with you yeah, when you're talking about the, for those who don't know, motivational interviewing, you're just basically finding where the patient is ready in this graduated level of readiness for change, basically. And your you're certain things that you do. But for me, the problem with motivational interviewing, and you learn a lot from it, because I mean, you learn a lot about mindset and where people are. It's hard to remember. It's like, okay, if I ask this question, that means they're here. And then I say this, there's one thing in human nature that is common. They want hope and they want to thrive, okay? Mm -hmm. 
If you can show, find the one thing, then there's a few questions you can ask. What is it that if you had a future that was not inhibited by chronic disease or your back pain or your diabetes or your 300 pounds, what is it? Okay, let's see if we can get there. And then that is the key, right? Because now we've moved them from this, this mind of you're opening up their blinders, right? You're taking it away. It's like, you know, you're literally the, yes. you know, the mud's falling off. It's you know, almost biblical in a sense. Like, it's just like, whew, the scales fall off. And it's just like, this is, this is your future. This is a choice. It's a small arc degree and off you go. And uh, that, that is, you know, if we can get the physicians just enthused about getting people excited it needs to be, I mean, those types of things need to be a lot more stressed in the, in the curriculum yeah. medical training. Right. It really needs to be not just the whole nutrition component of it, but in the whole lifestyle medicine component of it, but, but how to really affect positive lifestyle change. It really, mm -hmm. has, I know it's hard because a physician only has 15 minutes with their patient frequently. That's all you have. Right. And so you start asking about diet and lifestyle. It opens up this huge conversation. Mm -hmm. And the way our model is set up is doctors really don't get paid for this. They see fewer patients if they talk to their patients about diet and lifestyle. Uh, and uh, and if they get their patients to be so darn healthy and averse to diseases, they don't need their physician any longer. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really sad that uh, the system is not set up that way. And I, it, that, that definitely needs to change. But um, yeah, I really wish I really wish I was trained more in how to how to affect a person's ability to make the right choices and take those blinders off and really see mm. the positives and see the hope. That you have. should read Mindset by Carol Dweck. And there's I a really... heard of that, yes. Yes, and then there's Flourish by Dr. Marty Seligman. Yes. And I'll tell you what, the positive psychology, what really got me, because I am I was in active duty, um, Air Force, and so was my husband. So when I would get patients coming back from... And I was deployed over to the Middle East. I... I, mean, I wasn't in the crux of, you know, the fighting and stuff, but I certainly saw the aftermath of patients and you're sitting here and they're PTSD and it's just the, the lives falling apart and all these depression and the high suicide rate. And what was interesting was with Marty Seligman and he, and the positive psychology, kind of the father of positive psychology and working with the U S army. And what they found is if they would teach people basically a resiliency or teach them, it's, it's like a growth mindset. It's a change. It's a fixed, it's a change. It's, you know, it's the same thing, I think, but just different terminology from the studying that I'm doing. Um, what you find is that they had 50% less PTSD coming back. Wow. And I'm like, well, what if I could teach my doctors that, right? If I can go in and I can teach a medical student this is what resiliency is. This is a growth mindset. This is, and move them to a growth mindset. We all have a balance, right? We have fixed mindsets about certain things or growth, but we, but we should be able to hear that that's an audible voice that we can turn. We can change, turn down and listen to turn it up, dial something else up. If I could teach these young students in not some complicated structure, this is how you do this. And, you know, but just the wording and get them to understand intuitively how their own thinking then what's going to happen? That'll be a natural interview process. If I can work with patients, you know, young people, how your doctors, this is how you talk to a patient. This is going to get them to change their mindset. If speaking, so what are they going to do for their own health? If yeah. you teach these young, young ones how to speak to themselves this way, take care of themselves as physicians, we have the highest suicide rate of any profession, right? Yeah. We have... <sighs> And that's, Don't you get, that's a whole nother level of craziness. A oh, that's a whole different conversation. It's crazy. Lord help. But, but along those same lines, it's, it's so important that, 
physicians need to take care of their own health and follow a healthy dietary pattern themselves because if they don't do it, how can they be example for their patients? So, you know, that's, I kind of think back is, man, when I had a patient that was seeing me at 265 pounds, thinking, this guy is telling me to eat healthy, come on, you know, you you know, you need to, if, if physicians don't practice a healthy lifestyle themselves, then they almost have no right to really discuss it as much with their patients. You need to take care of yourself first. Right. Take care of yourself first. Show people how you can thrive on it, how great it is. And then then the patients will see uh, how powerful it is and listen to you. Right. Because it's super important. There is actually studies showing that patients whose physicians, they like, you know, I think they put like a bike helmet or something, and there was some type of indicator that their physician was physically active and eating healthy, that they actually were more likely, one, the physician was more likely to speak about it, but yeah. two, that the, the, you're building credibility because you walk the talk, right? So yeah. then their patients are more likely to follow their advice. And, um, so you're exactly right. That's one of the reasons I'm making it so public, my training to go climb Mount Rainier next year. Cause I'm like, this is what you can do people. (laughs) So That is what we have to do. We have to be leaders in our community because that's what we're all about. And I love it how it's compared to the whole tobacco debacle of the 1960s. It's just such a perfect analogy that, there were all this research that actually showed that tobacco wasn't all that harmful initially. A lot of that's funded by tobacco, of course. And it was very confusing because all that data wasn't as available back then because now we got the internet, PubMed and all these different things. But most physicians themselves smoked cigarettes in the early 1960s, right? They didn't read the research. They just think, hey, I'm doing medications and surgeries and all these different Smoking, that's not really my job. Just like now, a lot of doctors don't really take nutrition seriously and they don't themselves follow a healthy diet, but it's totally makes sense that uh, when, you know, the equivalent now of uh, what it used to be in the 1960s to stop smoking, now the current day equivalent is, is going on a whole food plant-based diet uh, because the data is there, but it's, our culture is against it and doctors don't really take it seriously. Mm. So back in the early 1960s, it's, it's exactly the same. And I you hear so many crazy stories of doctors smoking cigarettes during conferences. And, and um, I have this one crazy story of a patient who had a couple bypasses at Cleveland Clinic and uh, he showed me um, the scar, it was Dr. Sohn's patient, if you know who he was, he was a very famous cardiologist. He developed a Sohn's technique in his arm uh, cut, to cut down the arm to go in and do an angiogram of the coronary arteries. They say, hey, look, this is where Dr. Sohn's cut me. And I'm looking at it going, wow, I, it's a Dr. Sohn's scar. This is like legendary, this is great. And he says, yeah. And two inches past that is where Dr. Sohn's dropped his cigarette on me during the procedure and burned me. And granted, it's just a patient's story. And I don't just not valid did not, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what the patient told me. And he shows me that scar. It's crazy thinking that physicians were smoking during procedures. And I mean, nowadays you don't see physicians eating, you know, eating burgers or something like that during procedures, but it's kind of very similar that, that um, they just, physicians themselves don't follow the healthy diet and lifestyle and it needs to change. And that's part of the culture shift that we really need to, really need to have. And hopefully at least in the Chicago area, we're going to be able to make a difference with our organization. But that that mindset must shift. And it's just exactly the same as tobacco because now we got the food industry funding research confusing right. the public just left and right. It right. is so challenging for people to know what is the right evidence-based way to eat. And so when, when they don't know what's right and what's wrong, they just follow what their culture tells them to eat and what tastes good to them. And that's 
not usually going to be the right thing uh, in general. And so mm -hmm. there's so many different barriers uh, that we need to overcome. But again, with the enthusiasm of all these uh, wonderful people that I've, that I've met and connected with the last year or so, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're going to make a big difference and get this we're, we're hitting a critical mass, I, I think. Know. You I know, know. <laughs> I interviewed Dr. McDougall. <laughs> that one, yeah. he's, he's a salty character that one yeah. and I, I love him to death because his website honestly was one of the the one website I could find actually like doctor do this and I'm like yes thank you a little bit of some type of template for me to kind of balance and grow my my practice on yeah. and I was really like I was like Dr. McDougall, this is great. We know the Plantrition Project are expecting 1,200 this coming year and this and that, and more doctors are calling me on a regular basis and blah, blah, blah. He's like, nope, doesn't matter, not going to change. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like but it will, it I will know. change. It's, it's crazy because when I first learned about Whole Food Plant-Based Diet, watch folks in lives, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is huge. I need to tell everybody about it. Nobody knows about this stuff. And then I go back and I look and I'm like, well, wait a second. There were actually similar documentaries 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. that we're talking about this. I, I was like, oh, so this has been out for a long time. Why hasn't more change happened yet? Why hasn't it? And so I, I kind of was shocked by that. And I, I think that there's more and more knowledge being spread. The younger generation really understands this because we are reaching a crisis point in with the rates of chronic diseases, with the cost of health care, not to mention the environmental aspects, all these different things. It's a crisis at this point in time. And so people now are really, really seeing that the change must happen. And there's really no other way around it. There's no pill that's going to cure heart disease or hypertension or diabetes. It's not going to happen with some kind of crazy laser gadget or, or surgical procedure. It's the food. It's got to be the food. And we have to make the change. Everybody's realizing it. And a lot of it is these documentaries and social media uh, is really becoming more powerful and getting people are getting more savvy and spreading things out a lot more effectively uh, nowadays with what the health had a major impact. And oh, it did. At least a couple of times a week, I get people saying, oh, you're only plant-based because of what the health. Uh -huh. no, randomly in the store, I hear people talking about it. It's great. And yeah. the Game Changers, the upcoming one is going to that's a fantastic know. one. I watched yeah. it in Boulder and um, yeah. at the film festival. It's amazing. I hear it's better than, I mean, it's not, I would say better than what the health is, different than what the health, it's going to have as much of an impact as what the health does, if not a greater impact. I, it goes to the heart of men. Yes. And so it's going to go to the macho, the ego of men and me. And, you know, certainly there's women athlete, you know, athletes there, but it goes to the heart of that. So I took my youngest son, who's already, he's pure plant-based. That kid is on, yeah. but it was really cool. He goes, yeah, well, that was good. That was really good. Then there's one on the testosterone and the NFL players. Oh, it's yes. good. There's a, that is actually really good. Yeah. So just an incredible thing to see all of these things happening. Right. But we need that coalesce. Like you're exactly, we need to come together and really work. Yes. And that's one of the things I'm, you know, at first the podcast was just to share stories, but now it's become, I want to be part of that pulling everyone together and saying, yes. someone in now Chicago is going to know, Hey, yeah. this is available. Hey, this is a story of someone who, you know, reverse, you know, put their Crohn's into remission. Hey, here is five stories of diabetics who are no longer on insulin and yeah. reverse it. And yeah. their family's dying around them, but they don't have to. So that is great. And the stories are powerful, but what's also growing, which is great, is not just the anecdotal stories, it's the actual evidence, the, the peer-reviewed right. 
publications, which is part of what uh, what your journal is going to be yes. doing. And as that grows, that's when you're going to convince more of the healthcare uh, industry right. physicians and stuff as more and more evidence comes out. And, and again, for heart disease, there's definitely enough evidence right now. Some of the other uh, other ish, uh, diseases, some of the autoimmune diseases, I wish it was more randomized type, you know, mm -hmm. uh, clinical trials and such. Uh, and certainly for many of the cancers, I just don't understand why there hasn't been more uh, cancer-related whole food plant-based. At least have an arm where it, it doesn't. You don't have to like not give them the chemotherapy. That's right. Just, but if they have a different outcome, right? Do yeah. they have less chemo side effects? Do they have a longer survival rate? Do they have yeah. a less you know remission rate? Exactly. Well, no one's saying withhold your traditional yes. medicine. It's just well, let's augment, shall we? Yeah. Yes, you know, I bet you if they did that with the breast cancer study or, or colon cancer study, they, they, would, mm -hmm. they would see dramatic dramatic benefits in the patients who received their standard chemotherapy, mm -hmm. but this arm got whole food plant-based, and this arm, there was really no dietary advice given besides the standard stuff. I think it would be a, a dramatic benefit, but we need that to be done, and we need that to be published, and then finally people will say it, and then, then you'll have the arm of the people who refuse the chemotherapy. But then you randomize them to the whole food plant-based versus standard. And then if they refuse the chemo, then you can see the effect that, that the dietary factors truly have has mm -hmm. on, on cancer progression. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, I really wish we could see that data. That, that would be great. That is the journal, what we really want. We want to bring this to the front of researchers, right? Like we want to say, hey, this is where you guys need to focus because this is where you're going to be a change. So part of the journal, what we're going to have done is actually patient stories, but then we're gonna, if we can, we'd like to get their physician or a science, you know, a science writer to look at their their actual lab results, their story, and dissect it and go kind of go backwards, right? So here's their story, and now here's the studies and the evidence to yes. to prove and say these aren't just anecdotal stories. So it's kind of a case report and backwards. So yeah. you have the patient telling it, but they're sure, but I'm also going to be interviewing them. So we're going to have a podcast for the journal oh, and great. we're going to have video abstracts and we're going to be interviewing these individuals in part. So I can use my enjoyment of just talking to people. How often is that? I get to talk to people and spread this <laughs> message. That is really so exciting, right? So we can really just move forward and yeah. ah, so it's fantastic. Great, I, you know, it's doing that. You know what's funny is reminding this is a funny when you mentioned the drug reps. So yeah. I, you know, I worked, they come family practice because we, you know, you see our, and especially in Western Colorado, it's a small rural area. We have lots of different, um, uh, you, I mean, we had, first of all, we had no ICUs, pediatric ICUs in the entire Western side of the state. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I did hospital care. I did, you know, nursing home. I did, I was director of the hospice program. You do your regular clinic. The only thing I wasn't doing was delivering babies and which I didn't want. I've done 40 and I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> but what was interesting was the drug reps would come in. They, because this is their, you do everything. They do all sorts of drugs. And I was like, I got, actually got two drug reps to go plant-based. And wow. what was interesting, I said, do not bring this food that's not healthy. Cause I won't come and I won't listen and I won't eat it and yep. I won't be, don't, don't talk to, I'm willing to listen to you about your drug, but if you have to feed as well. So then they would bring salads and they bring all these plant-based stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. And, but then they would get a new drug rep and they bring pizza and they go, Oh, Dr. Marvis hasn't talked to that one yet. Let's go <laughs> see what <laughs> so, you know, it was really funny. Cause I just, I, I would take over their drug conversation. Like, let's talk about plants. And why yeah. you're not bringing pizza anymore? Because yeah. I don't want you to make my people sick here. <laughs> yeah. 
it's really those drug reps too they're they're effective i mean they really when they get at them you know we're talking about us getting at the medical students in order to try to get them the whole plant-based mindset and all that stuff well they're going at it too they're trying they, you know and i i fell victim to that when i was a medical student once a month or so uh, at least you know we were we, we were taken out to a nice steak dinner and it was a good time with your buddies and you got to go out and have this expensive dinner because you know medical students have no money but it was always hey, the only solution to hypertension is this medication, 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 medication. And it really completely removed the medical student from the mindset of the power of nutrition and lifestyle change, the hypertension or the diabetes or whatever it was, it really removed that whole factor. And so it's, it's just, wow, I don't know if that still takes place, but I'm assuming those, those things still take place. It was only you know, 15 years ago for me. So Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. But the other thing is, though, too, but look at even when these medical students are little kids, what are they watching on television? Right. You know, they're watching commercials of people helping, you know, they're walking and they're taking this drug for their diabetes and their number. Talk to your doctor about this. Or, that, there's a commercial you, for pizza or soda pop, right? And right, exactly. Diseases that they need to sell the drugs for. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's like as a culture, we've been... We've been duped, you know, it's, mm. it's uh, eat these unhealthy foods because your culture tells us to, that's what the food industry says. And hey, now because of these unhealthy foods, you need to take all these drugs. And it's just one commercial after the other, take this drug, eat this food, take this drug, eat this food. It's like, no, no, I almost don't want my kids to watch TV anymore. You know, my, my son's in the baseball and he wants to watch a baseball game. And all it is is these commercials for these unhealthy foods. I'm like, no, I'm pausing it and fast forwarding through commercials because I don't want you to see this stuff. I don't want you to get brainwashed the way I was brainwashed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't. We haven't had a television in eighteen months. I love wow. it. That's great. Yeah, we don't so, do television during the week. They get a teeny bit on during the weekends, and it's very controlled usually, uh, uh, very minimal screen time. But we, uh, man, I, I tell you, I wish the broccoli industry had enough money to advertise during the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be great? To see broccoli dancing around in a Super Bowl commercial. Have you seen there was a SNL the Saturday Night Live with. Um, Oh, what's That's his name? Yes, the yes. tofu guy. <laughs> oh, I should put a link to that. That is so funny. Like something like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that yeah. would be fat or barbecue jackfruit. Yeah, why not? It's why fun. not? And you see someone chowing down on this really yummy barbecue jackfruit sandwich and their barbecued, you know, cauliflower, yeah. and they're like slim and trim. And then you like explain what it is. I mean, that would be like people go like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> a little kombucha on the side. You're good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you have got so much going on. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see whatever is going. And I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite yeah. cities. It it's is a, a cool city. place. It's a great city, but it has a history of, you know, you know, very unhealthy yes. like most places do. And so we, um, it's a, it's a big task, but we got to change it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that um, architecture ride and through the yeah. boat. Yes. That is really cool. So if you guys ever go, besides checking out your stuff, you got, they got to check out the boat ride and learn the architecture of Chicago yeah. and the history. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, sir, I will put all your links and your amazing information. And I have, we have talked your ear. Bless your heart. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed it. This has been a great conversation. It is a lot of fun. And uh, it's so fun to be around you know, the same minded individuals and you're just, you're taking it a whole approach the way you should. Oh, I should introduce you to Arjun and Shoba uh, Rayapuri. I introduced them. They're in Canada in Newfoundland and okay. they're taking this community approach well and have really good success. Oh, that's great. Um, I love yeah. Let me, I'll connect you via email. 
And that's amazing. Yeah, they're amazing too. And um, so that is, uh, they're, they're amazing people too. Just, eh, just so many cool people. Yeah, there is a lot. And it's, it's it, great to meet everybody and see with this, all this enthusiasm and knowledge and passion, really. Mm. I think, I think that's, that's the big key that's moving all this forward. And it's, uh, and it's happening. It's great. Yeah, it is. You're, you are exactly right. And we'll get it done. We will get it done. To my dying breath, we will get it done. <laughs> I, I, and, I'm, I'm a little more positive than Dr. McDougall, I guess, than the whole <laughs> Sorry, Thank you. But you know, to Dr. McDougall's credit, he was there when it, nobody yes. was listening. Absolutely. And, it, yeah. and his hashtag, it's the food. Yep. It, it's it the, is food. the food. That's right. Yep. It's the food. You're exactly right. Well, thank you again. And thank everyone, you. please watch below. I'll list everything and um, to the links and how to get hold of the wonderful Dr. Loam. Thank you again so much. Thank you very much.